because the world is so far removed from where it was intended to be. It's not, not just a little bit, it's not just gone off on a tangent, it's completely opposite, it's completely removed from where God intended it to be. When we, when we look at the world today, you know, you flick the news on, whatever, it's so easy to sit there and think, well, why? why? Why doesn't God just say, you know what, fine, do what you like, crack on. I've tried for years now, and you're ignoring me, you're not interested, just crack on. I don't want to have anything more to do with you. Why, do, why does why God just wash his hands of us? There's so much pain in the world, so much hatred and destruction, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. And this, this great God that created all the, all the world we see before us, he's... Why doesn't he just say enough? Enough is enough. Why is he still interested in us? Why is he still keen to be part of our lives? Why does he still want that perfect, meaningful relationship with us? Why not just leave us to it? For the most part, let's face it, the world wants nothing to do with him. If they're not just ignoring completely, they're conspiring against him. It's a battle almost to be part of our lives. Of course, as Christians, we know differently, don't we? We know that he loves us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us unimaginably, if you like, because it's such an expansive and massive love, we can't comprehend it. And we know the grace that he offers us. We know that Christ came for us. We know the pain that Christ went through so that we could have that meaningful relationship. We understand this was the salvation we've received. We, we understand what he's provided. So why then, if, if that's happened... Christ has gone and God's done all that we've been celebrating the last week or two. Why is sin so still dominant in the world? Why are good, solid, grounded Christians just suddenly fall away for no apparent reason? Why does the world continually try to make the Lord irrelevant? See, for me, all of these questions, you can sum it all up in, in one single word, and that's love, what we've been singing about. And we sing about the deep, deep love of Jesus and we sing about the vast and the measuredness of it. Christ loves us with such compassion and such depth that we just can't imagine it. We can't imagine it. And here's the thing, it's not just for us. He loves all his creation. He loves every single person on the planet, irrespective of whether they know him or not. You don't have to know him for God to love them. He desperately wants to be part of people's lives. If they choose to ignore him. Without exception, whatever, whatever form it takes, whatever place you're in, whatever situation you find yourself in, God loves you unconditionally. And he loves you with a passion. He wants to be part of your life. Time and time again, people, we've just been singing about it, we try to put it in a box, or it's this big, or, or it's this deep, or it's this wide. The love that God provides, it can't be measured. It can't be can't really be imagined. It's so immense and so incredible and so free. We try to wrap it up, don't we? We try to say, oh yeah, God's love is, is all this and it's all that and it's all the other thing. But how can something that big and that awesome and that, that the depth of his love be so free and so available to us? Does it even have a place in society today, I wonder? Does God's love have a place in anything we say or do today? It doesn't fit, does it? Your unconditional love. We don't need to do anything. We don't need to try and work for it. We don't need to earn it. That's not what society is all about today. It doesn't fit. That's not normal. People in the world today, they, they feel like, well, surely I need to do something to receive it. I need to be someone. I need to do something different. 
If you've got your Bibles with you, um, turn to Romans 8, Romans 8, and towards the end, um, the last bit of Romans 8, 35, and I'm going to read down to 39. Quite a short section, um, quite familiar to most, I suspect, but it's, it's amazing, actually. Um, I'm going out more often and going to different churches round and about. The amount of people that don't have Bibles, not, not so they don't open them, it's not on their laps, they don't actually have them with them at all. And when I'm reading scripture, it's exactly what I'm doing. I'm reading the scripture of the Bible. You shouldn't take anything I say at, at face value. You should back it all up. You should always reference, go back and reference it in the Bible. Anyway, that's on the side. Romans 8, 35, 39. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's take a moment to reflect on that and pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your great love to us. Help us now this next little bit of time we have together just to focus on that and try and think, Lord, just how how you want to be part of our lives, how you want to reflect through us. Thank you for all that you've provided and all that you've given us through this love. Such a price to pay, such a gift to offer. And yet the world seems so resistant to it, so negative towards it. So bless this time, I pray. Help us to understand the words that come through by your croaky voice. And, and I just pray that you bless this time ahead. Amen. So what are these verses saying about love? Apart from the fact that it says it can't be said, we can't be separated from it. Well, the first thing I picked up on is, is God's provision. God's provision of his love. Like I say, why on earth, given all that the world is and does today, and even if, if I'm honest, even as Christians act as well. We're not perfect people, unfortunately. And we will go against what God wants, and we will turn away from him, and we'll, we'll try and do stuff on our own. It blows my mind sometimes, though, you know, if I'm even quite back, just looking at the hills, or I could be at the mountains or the coast, whatever it is, there's this huge panorama of scenery, if you like, if you will. And the God that created all that scenery, the God that created that intricate detail with the colourings and, and everything you see, that same God, with all that power and all that omnipresence and all that creation, looks on me as an individual and looks on us as individuals and says, I want to be part of your life. I want to help you, I want to guide you, I want to keep you. I want you to have the best possible life you can have. Why would God be interested in someone like me? You might feel sometimes, I don't know, Christian life is a bit of a struggle maybe. Maybe we're battling against sinfulness. Maybe we feel sometimes God's just left us to it. Maybe sometimes it's maybe sometimes it's a bit of a burden to carry this, this salvation message everywhere we go. It's a bit heavy, it's a bit hard. But then you look at the alternative, and well, there is an alternative because the, the, other, the other way has much, 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 much worse connotations. I wrote a little um, few lines of testimony for the social media um, group last week, a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was. 
And it's, it's, it's one, I'd encourage you all just to write a testimony, even if you're just writing it on a piece of paper just for the sake of it, because it helps you to start to reflect on where you could have been. Um, also, obviously, where you are as well, which is really good. But whenever you, you sort of think about what I could have done or where I could have ended up, I just think, that's a terrible, terrible place to be. I certainly wouldn't be here, and who knows where I would be. I don't know where I could be. Could, could be anywhere. So the alternative to walking with the Lord, the alternative to having Christ in our lives, is much, 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 much worse. But we can take encouragement, of course. It's not all a black, bleak picture. We take encouragement because God loves us, and He loves us deeply and passionately. Just how much has he provided for us? You know, we talk about clothes on our back, roof over our heads, that sort of thing. But what about everything else we have? If you, if you start writing down what you've got, it becomes a very big list very, very quickly. We've got so much to be thankful for. We've got so much to have. We've got so much that we don't need, let's be honest. A lovely song, um, Lloyd might have put it in, in the, on uh, Men of Valor this morning, uh, Count Your Blessings. I know Brian always uh, mentions the fact that count your blessings, but again, we should, we should do that more often. Just look at what we've got and, and count the blessings we have, because there'll be loads of them. So the world wasn't just thrown together, it wasn't just put together and said, right, here we go, that'll do. It looks good, smells good, good enough. You know, we weren't left to just evolve and then destroy ourselves, because that makes no sense at all. Why, why would the world be created so people could get to a point where they would fight each other and kill each other and just destroy each other? That doesn't make any sense at all. There's no purpose in that. There's 57 million square miles-ish of land in the world. 57 million square miles. 71% of which-ish is made up of water. So there's plenty provided for us. There's 320,000 at the moment. People are still, still discovering different species of flowers and insects and all that sort of thing. 320,000 different species of plants that we know of. We, we just can't exist without the right balance of oxygen and food. We have too much oxygen in the air and we struggle to, to cope with it. Not enough, and of course we suffocate. It's just the perfect, perfect amount for us to thrive and, and live and prosper. Like that thick sort of um, scales, or whatever they call it, we had in, in the science labs. Just perfectly balanced, exactly right for life to prosper. That was because it was God's plan. God had that plan right from the word go, right from the word beginning. And he put all of this stuff in place so that we could prosper, so that we could live lives in accordance with his plan, yes, but for the best possible reasons, for the best possible outcome for us. Because he loves us. Because he wants to be part of us. Everything is just right. Everything is just so. So we can exist and we can live our lives as intended. But it's more than that, of course. It's much more than that. Well, God is doing all of that. Amazing to think, really, I suppose. But while God was creating all of this stuff, again, like I say, he was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. He was thinking of us. He was thinking, what can I put in place to make this an incredible place for, for people? That, of course, doesn't mean we're going to be free from trouble. It's not a perfect world. 
it's never going to be a perfect world. Problems are going to come our way, tribulations are going to come our way, struggles are going to come our way, of course they are. We all have issues to face along the way. Absolutely, but God made us to a purpose. He made us and shapes our lives in accordance with his plan. And just because we're struggling with stuff, doesn't mean we should turn away from it. Doesn't mean he's forgotten about us. Doesn't mean he's washed his hands of us. Doesn't mean he's put us to one side. Just means we need to draw closer to him. We need to call on him more. We need to act lean on it more for help and for guidance and for wisdom and for direction. We're made in his image so we should reflect how we've been made. All too often, what's inside is going to reflect. Whatever, whatever you are, whatever you come from, whatever background you're in, however you're feeling, what's inside is going to reflect outwards. If we are fully committed and we fully trust the Lord, and we fully allow God to work through us and work in us, that's going to reflect. And you talk about testimony. If God's really working through you, really shining through you, you don't need to say anything, because your actions will dictate and show, and people will see, see the Lord just by looking at you. So this grand plan, then, this grand plan that God has for each and every person, why is it grand? Why is it great? it's for us to prosper it's for us to come out the other end and have such an incredible experience a walk with the Lord stand with the Lord see he knows what sort of life we need to lead, lead sorry. he understands where we, we need to go he understands where we're at and he understands what we're going to face of course we can't live that plan we can't walk that path unless we accept it. See, there's a plan for every single individual on the planet. Whether you know the Lord or not makes no difference. He's got a plan for you. Whether or not you choose to accept it is whether or not that plan will be lived out, will start to live out in your life. I wonder if you, sometimes, how would you feel, I wonder, you just, um, you've got a, Christmas or birthdays or whatever, whatever it might be and you spend all this time thinking about I want to get somebody the perfect present it's going to be the perfect gift and they're going to love it it's going to be amazing, you spend all this time you go into all the shops and you get it all right you've got the perfect gift, you put in a nice gift wrap and it's all lovely and it looks nice and whatever else you do and then you give them the gift and they say oh thanks for that and it sits on a shelf and it never gets looked at again, how would that make you feel? it's going to hurt isn't it? it's going to sting a little bit I would imagine you know spent all this time and effort looking for this perfect gift, but it's just sat on the shelf and nobody's really bothered with it. Well, I wonder, I wonder how God feels when he's given us this perfect, perfect gift and all too often we put it on the shelf and we say, yeah, thanks for that, I'll deal with that on Sunday, or I'll have a look at that, it's something that happens when I can't go anywhere else, or maybe it's a last resort, or whatever it might be. It really stings the Lord, it pains him to see us not living the life we lead, we should be leading, not walking with Christ. It pains him to see that. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. See, God God doesn't stop us wandering off, doing our own thing, making our own way in life, if you will. He's not there to punish and to condemn and to shout and to wave his big stick. He wants us to choose to follow him. God doesn't say, you have to live this life. You have to be 
right next to me. I'm going to be part of your life whether you like it or not. He wants us to choose to follow him. Choose to stand with him. Choose to walk with him. God's knocking the door all the time. Tapping your shoulder all the time. Every minute of every day. He's saying, I'm here. I can help. Let me in. It's up to us, of course, to open that door and allow him to come in. You know, God's there saying, hang on, wait a minute, I want to help. I want to show you how things will work out. Let me help you. But we don't always hear him, do we? Sometimes I wonder, when we do hear him, do we have our own answer for him? I know sometimes I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I read the Bible and I get the message. And I say, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I want to do this. I want to do that. Yeah, I think this should be right. Yeah, I want to go this. So it's not all always listening to the Lord and just doing things. It's Trying to apply our own logic so many, so much of the time. See, we don't have to do anything. Don't have to be Christians. Don't have to have anything to do with the Lord. We don't want to. It's not obligatory. But what if? What if we didn't? How would that have us feel? I wonder. What if we didn't have any any element of the Lord within us at all? Or if we don't let God in, or if we just crack on with life, doing whatever we want, well, that might be okay for now, possibly. Might be okay for the next day, maybe the next week. But what about when it's not great? What about when things go wrong? What about when things trip up? What about when things don't quite work out like you want them to? What about when we're looking for an answer that nobody else can give? Drives me bonkers sometimes when people in work are running around looking for all these answers in life. And the last place they think of is the Lord. How many people say, this hasn't worked out, or that's not working, or somebody say a prayer for me? Because that's the very last thing they think of. The very last thing is the Lord, where actually it should be the very first thing. What about when God's calling us, we hear him, and we think, actually, he's not here. We can't hear him, perhaps. What about we feel like we're left on our own? Perhaps we feel like we've got to deal with stuff by ourselves. Because the world decided, actually, you're boring now. It was all fun and games when you were all excited and running around, but now you've got this problem. I'm not really interested in you anymore. And the world doesn't want to know anymore. Who are we going to ask when we need to know, am I doing the right thing? In a situation or an environment or a particular thing you might be facing, who are we going to turn to and say, is this the right course of action if we haven't got the Lord with us? You see, God's the only one, the only one who can direct our path. He's the only one that we can absolutely 100% rely on to sit with us, stand with us, and direct us for the best possible outcome. Reassure us. Point us in the right direction when we need it. Having a consistent friend at our side all the time. One Corinthians ten thirteen. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will the temptation sorry, will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it? God won't stop things from happening. You know, bad things are going to happen. Bad things happen to good people all the time. 
the way of the world, you know? God's not going to stop things happening that we might see as bad for us. And we might be shouting this. Why am I going to this? Why is this happening? Where are you? But he will always, always make sure that whatever we are facing, we can deal with. He will never, ever give us anything that we can't deal with. There will be no situation, there will be no trial, there will be no problem we're facing that God says you cannot deal with. Whatever life throws our way, as long as we trust in him, as long as we work with him, walk with him, stand next to him, as long as we invite him into our lives, we will always be able to overcome whatever we face. He's going to provide us with all that we need. It might not seem like it when problems hit. It might not feel like it when you're walking on this path and there's, there's trouble ahead and you hit, hit the blip in the road or whatever it might be. But he will always be there and he will be, always be ready to step in if we ask him to. He's not going to do it anyway. He's not going to do it whether we like it or not. We've got to ask him and we've got to trust in the Lord and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to invite him in and be part of it. So, how then? God says that's, that's some of the reasons of why God loves us. How, how does he show his love? How, how do we know that he, he's with us? How do we know that we can have that confidence, if you will? See, we understand we're not meant to be left to tackle problems and issues in life completely by ourselves. We get that. God's promised he's going to walk with us, and he will walk with us. We understand that sin creates this huge obstacle between us and God, one that there's no way around and there will never be any way around. As Christians, we know God is providing an answer to that problem. It's an interesting concept. I never really thought of it before. Um, we were speaking on, on Wednesday to Brother Andrew. We talk about sin um, being taken away. Of course, what actually Christ has done is released us from sin. If we commit a sin, it's still there. It's never going away. Sin is always there. But if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and if you walk with the Lord, you can overcome that. You can be released from it. You can have that contentment in life, that peace in life. You you speak to the world about this sort of stuff and they're like, oh yeah, well, it's boring. I can't be doing with it. It's too hard. No thank you. It's just not for me. You know, well, I think they will... You know, if you're given a gift where you're guaranteed contentment, you're guaranteed peace, you're guaranteed to know what decisions to make at the right time, you're guaranteed to walk a path where somebody much bigger and much more omnipresent than you is going to be looking after you 24-7. Yes, you're going to have problems and issues, but they're not going to be half as bad if you weren't walking with the Lord. Why wouldn't you accept it? What's, What's not to accept? You could, of course, just stick on the shelf, like I say, alongside everything else that's been given to you that you don't really want. But what good is that going to do? There's no point in accepting the Lord Jesus Christ and saying thank you very much on a Sunday. You know, Christ is for every minute of every day. Not just on a Sunday. You just need to take what he's given. You need to apply it. You need to follow the instructions, just like it says in the Bible. We follow the instructions laid out in the, in the Bibles, as you, read, as you read through the Bible, and we use God's gift of Jesus Christ exactly like it was intended, exactly like it was meant to, and we apply it in our lives, then you're going to have a much stronger, a much healthier, and a much closer relationship 
with the Lord. One that's real, feels real, and can lead you along a path that God had planned out for you. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It sounds easy, I'll just take the Lord and then you'll be fine and dandy. But particularly in the um, secular world, I suppose, I mean, it's, it's, you go to work, in your day jobs and that sort of thing, you're surrounded by all sorts of different people. You know, when we're surrounded by people that are not sort of faithful or not Christians, they don't really know anything about the Lord, it's hard to keep on being who Jesus asks us to be. It's difficult when we sort of engage with people in the world, if, if you will, whatever capacity that is. It's hard to maintain that, that demeanour that Christ meant, meant it to be. How can we be completely sure that when we get stuck in situations, when we get tempted away to different paths and different things, or perhaps sometimes maybe we do things or, or we act how we shouldn't, how can we be sure that God will still hold on to us? How can we be sure that God won't say, oh, do you know what, I've had enough of this. I don't want to know anymore. If I take you all the way back, just to, to put this a little bit of context, a little bit of an example, all the way back to the, the beginning of the Bible and, and the story of Moses. Everybody knows the story of Moses. Everybody knows how Moses went to Pharaoh. But this is the thing. God didn't go to Pharaoh and then Pharaoh said, I'm not letting your people go and that was it. Sorry, Moses, forgive me. Moses didn't go to Pharaoh. Um, Pharaoh said, I'm not letting your people go and that was it. Moses kept going back and he kept going back and he kept going back. God said, go to Pharaoh, tell him this, and then I'm going to send a plague. Or I'm going to send whatever the, the different plagues were. He went back and back and back all the time. Why did Moses do that? If you put all that in context, you know, Pharaoh could have called his men at any time. He could have said, I've had enough of this Moses guy, he's bugging me. I mean, back in the day, let's face it, he could have said, I want him killed. He could have said, I want him put in prison. But he didn't. He went back and back and back continually. God had told Moses what was going to happen. Moses was faithful enough to take God at his word. Now, that's really hard. You know, if God's telling you something incredible is going to happen, or you've got to put yourself right out of it, where you're totally uncomfortable, it's hard to say, "Um, all right, then. I'll, I'll trust you know what you're talking about. It's a really difficult thing to do. But that's exactly what Moses did. And guess what? It all worked out exactly as God said it would. God did exactly what he said he was going to do. Right throughout the Bible, all, all the different sort of scenarios and, and, and the things we read about, the examples we see, time and time and time again, God said he would do something, or he, would make, he made a promise to someone, or he was true to his word, whatever it might be, he saw it through. He fulfilled the promise. He met the obligation. He did what he said he was going to do. See, that was then, I get that, and this is now, but even today, we can be completely certain there's never, never, ever been a situation or a time or anything where God said something would happen or promised for something and then never saw it through. God has been constantly constant in fulfilling his promises. So even today, we can, if we allow him in, that's the first thing to do, if we allow him in, if we listen to him, if we do what he asked of us, he will do exactly what he said he was going to do. And it will be for the best possible outcome. He doing all the plagues of Egypt, the whole Israelite nation remained unharmed. Why? Because they did exactly what God asked them to do. God kept his promises. 
all sounds well and good, I get that. You know, that was then, this is now. What about today? What about where I'm going through here now? But one thing we can be absolutely sure of, the God that created the earth all the way back then, and the God that did all those different promises and miracles, if you will, all the way back then, is the same God as yesterday, and is the same God as today, and will be the same God as tomorrow. You see, God doesn't change. God will never change. God, throughout the Bible, looks out for his people. Throughout the Bible, he hears when they pray. And he answers every single time. Every single time someone makes a prayer, he'll answer that prayer. might not be in the way they want it. might not be how they expect it, but they will get answers. And that same God hears us today and answers us every time we pray. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. See, God is with us always, wherever we are, wherever we're going through. And he's promised that, and he will see through his promises. God will be with us wherever we go, whether we accept them or not. Whether the world decides to accept him, whether they choose to ignore him, whether whatever it is they decide, God will be standing there watching over them. We only have to turn, accept the Lord Jesus Christ, understand we have fallen short of what God wants us to be, and know that Christ died for us. Once we accept that and we apply that to our lives, then we can walk in a real, tangible, living relationship with the Lord. Trouble is, of course, the path is narrow, isn't it? It's not this big, wide path that we can jolly down. It's, we've got to watch where we step. We've got to be careful all the time, making sure we're on the right track. We need to be mindful of where we're at all the time. Am I doing the right thing? Am I working with the Lord? Am I working against the Lord? You know, the devil can trip us up at any opportunity, and he will be deceitful and cunning in his ways. He doesn't stand in front of us all the time, waving his whatever he does, saying, here I am, I'm going to trouble you. Sometimes he's crouched right down where we can't see him, so he can trip us up. Sometimes he's pushing us from behind. Just need to be mindful all the time. Even people we love can sometimes distract us. Even our friends can sometimes make us do things we shouldn't. Matthew 13, 24, 30 is a parable, so I've... I paraphrase this slightly, just to put a bit of context on it. It's the parable of the, um, the weeds. So it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer explains. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds. Tie them into bundles and burn them. And to put the wheat in the barn. See, it seems like an odd sort of tangent to go off on, but um, bear with me. If we're in a situation, sometimes we're not sure if we're going to do the right thing, not sure which way to turn, perhaps. Perhaps it's um, a bit tempted, maybe, to do things we shouldn't. Maybe we're distracted by what other people are doing. You know, we're a bit what's right, what's wrong, because we're worried what people might say and might think. Maybe we want to go down a road because it looks better for us. 
See, in that parable, we're not told just to run away from it. Don't worry about it. Just keep doing what everybody else told you to do. You know, normal, in that situation, what would be the normal thing to do? It would be to pull all the weeds up. No, we're told to keep on doing what we're supposed to be doing. Keep doing what the Lord tells us to do. Keep on growing as we should be. Because when the time comes, Christ will sort it all out for you. Throughout history, God has asked people to do things that might seem a bit odd. Might seem a bit crazy, if you will. Certainly things they're not comfortable with. He's carried out miracles, he's performed acts that have left people amazed, on their knees in prayer and worship. Now he's done those things not to scare them or to dominate them or to, to put them into sort of some form of worry and panic, this old, old powerful God has told me to do this type of thing, but to show he's still there. He's still there and he's ready to take on whatever he needs to take on to help us out. Today, we have Jesus. Today, we have the Bible. So we don't need miraculous signs and miracles. We don't need to see anything because it's all here for us. If we have faith, we hold on to his promises, he will help us out whenever we call on him. Why? Because God loves us passionately. God loves us immeasurably. You can't measure the depth of it. You can't see how wide or how high it is. God has made a promise to every single one of us. And we can be sure of everything he says he will do. He will, do, he will hold on to us. He will protect us. He will lead us wherever we go. <clears throat> when we have a problem or an issue, what are we going to do? We should pray. Go to the Lord for help. Read the Bible. Understand how God can help you through it. I understand as well, that's, that's not always easy. It's not the natural thing to do. Sometimes we feel like we're on our own. Nobody's really fighting our corner for us. But as soon as we invite God in, as soon as we, we say that prayer, as soon as we read that verse, as soon as we make an effort to have God part of what we do, all of those feelings go away. I think all the worries and concerns dissipate. And God hears everything we say. He sees everything we do. And he is longing to help us if only we let him in. How, she, how should we respond to all of this, I wonder? How can we allow God to talk to us? How can we let him show us what it is he thinks we should be doing? Well, the obvious thing is, read the Bible. How often has it been said from here that the first place to call is the Bible? That's where God will speak to you. That's where his words will come through to you. Sounds simple, of course. There's no point to just, you know, picking the Bible up and saying, right, I've got a problem. I'm going to favorite verse. I don't know. There we go. Isaiah. Brilliant. I'll say that and all my problems will go away. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Don't just sit there waiting for something to happen. Get into routine. Understand you need to be in the right place to come to the Bible. To hear what God's got to say to you. How do we get into the right place? We pray. We try to find a quiet spot in the day. Whatever it might be. I don't know. Something you can just forget about anything else that's going on. Just for a moment and focus purely on what the, what the word is saying. After all, if God is listening to us, surely, surely we need to be in the right place and make sure we're going to be asking for the right things. 
You don't come to him with a shopping list. I want this, I want that, you need to change this, you need to alter that, you need to help me here, there. You know, find, I don't know, find a lesson plan or something. Something that's going to get you regularly interacting with the Bible. Only by doing this, as often as we can, and as, as much as we can, with a, with a heartfelt faith, that God will hear us and God will speak to us. Will we allow God in? And then we'll know what it is we should be doing, what path you should be walking, what choices you should be making. It's good to this next week, knowing that God is with us constantly, knowing that God stands next to us. Let's remember that God loves us unconditionally. Let's reflect, perhaps, on the last couple of weeks. Just, just come to Easter, but let's not forget the message of Easter. Let's understand that Christ went to the cross and he suffered all that he suffered so that God could have that relationship with us. You know, God wouldn't have sent something like that, let something like that happen, just because. You know, he, didn't, he didn't just send Christ to the cross because he thought it might be nice for Easter. It, it wasn't just Christ that suffered then. God would have been suffering as well. His only begotten son, going through all that turmoil. And why? Because of his love for us. Because he wants to stand next to us and work with us. Let's go into the week ahead and just keep that in mind and try and draw a bit closer and walk a bit closer with the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for another time. Thank you for all that you give us in, in your love and your grace to us. Help us, Lord, to appreciate, Lord, just how big and how wide and how deep your love is for us and how real it is for us, that you want to be part of our life. Grant us the opportunities to take time to reflect on that, to respond to that through the Bible and to just try and take on the things that you would have us to. Help us to walk that narrow path, but yet to fulfill that plan you have before us. Thank you, we can depend on your promises, we can depend on your love, and we can depend that whatever you say is going to happen, Lord, whatever you say is laid out for us will come to pass if we have the faith to walk it. Continue to bless us and keep us through the remainder of the service this morning and in the week ahead. Why you song together?
objective assurance, true and absolute and equivocal assurance in you. What, what you say will happen or will happen, what you promise will happen, will happen. And you'll know, and you'll be, and you'll bless it. You'll set apart because that's what it's designed for. Help us, I pray, that to remember you in all you do this week. And to focus, Lord, truly on what you've given us. Just a free, free gift of love, protection, and grace. Help us not to take that for granted, Lord, and take it into the week and, and respond to that in, in searching the scriptures and, and dwelling in 